The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Get in on the action at DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and sign up with code SBNFL. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, win or lose. That's code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Bonus issued as bonus bets opt-in required one bonus bet issued based on amount of initial losing college basketball bet up to ten dollars eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms introverted noise hurry up daddy All right, we're live. We're back with the one-a-day draft series. And he's back. Had a couple of days off to handle some things, watch some Game of Thrones. But we have the man, the myth, the legend, the hardest working person on draft Twitter, QB1. How you doing? How you been? Good, man. Just over a week until the draft, so I'm really excited about that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, uh, you know, we got through a lot of positions here. And uh, the next one we have... It's maybe not the sexiest, not one that's been getting a lot of conversation, but you're here. You've done the research on all of them. So we're going to get your thoughts on this upcoming linebacker class. But before you get into it, I just want to give a reminder, because sometimes JR can be a little humble. Draft uh, His draft guide is out. It is amazing. You need to make sure you pick that up. Probably before this episode, you heard the silky smooth stylings of JR telling you to buy the draft guide. Well, I'm just going to tell you to do it again. All right, that plug is done. JR. Linebackers, when you're draft, when you're drafting, when you're scouting this position, what are you looking at? And I guess this is a tough one because I mean, there's a di- a lot of different kinds of linebackers. So when you kind of go and scout, I guess, how do you scout inside, outside, four, three, three, four? Like, what are you looking at across the many different things we call linebacker? Yeah, and you're spot on with that. You have to understand first the type of scheme that you're looking at. So there's a three down scheme and a four down scheme. So with a three-down scheme, your outside linebackers are going to be more of your stand-up outside rushers, and they're rushing the passer more than they're dropping into coverage. So there's certain examples of guys in this class, and we'll get to a few a little bit later, uh, that do do that. And then you have more of your interior or inside type of linebackers uh, in a four-down front. And they're split into three categories, really called Mike, which is the middle linebacker, Sam which is the strong side linebacker and wheel, which is the weak side linebacker. And it just depends on the type of formation that teams are running where each guy lines up. And sometimes there's two guys on the field. Sometimes there's three guys on the field, depending on the offensive personnel that is on the field. So a couple guys that I do like, and it's the two top guys is both of the Devons and both of those guys are the Mike linebackers with Devin White and Devin Bush. Uh, They're the two top guys in this draft to me. And I think both of those guys have what I always look for first in linebackers, and that's instincts. And all instincts are is just how well they're able to decipher plays and what's going on in front of them. And that's something that you can't really teach. It's really like vision for running backs, and it's just something that is a naturally born gift. And I think Devin Bush's are a bit bit ahead of what Devin White's are 
at this point. And I think that's what makes Devin Bush really good is his instincts, even though he may be lacking a little bit uh, in size. He may be just a step, I don't want to say slower, but smaller uh, than Devin White. But he's able to overcompensate that with his instincts. So instincts and then finishing. I like to see how well these guys finish do. Are they able to, you know, what I like to call trigger gaps? Are they able to hit the gaps really fast and then finish with tackles by themselves or do or are they guys they like to drag and carry guys down eventually and they need the ball pursuit or other guys or their teammates coming to corral to eventually get ball carriers down? So instincts and finishing are definitely two things that I look for. All right. Well, I, I feel like maybe you just gave us a bit of a spoiler there, but we're going to do it anyway. Day one, who you like? Who are your favorites? Yeah, there's only two guys that I like on day one, and that's Devin White and Devin Bush. And I talked about them a little bit. Just a second ago, I think they're far and away the top two guys in this class, and they're a bit different. And Devin White, he's not as good as on third down or in pass coverage as Devin Bush. He's not as loose of a mover as what Devin Bush is. But with Devin White, you're getting a guy that is a tone setter on the middle of a defense, and he plays very reckless, but it is a controlled chaos with him, and he's an absolute finisher with his tackles, but with Devin Bush on the opposite end of the spectrum, a guy that I put up a tweet earlier where he's just a ball magnet. And if you go into a game, if I was just to pull up a Michigan game and we were just sitting there with each other watching the game, by after the first quarter, you would be asking who number 10 is because that's how well he is always around the ball. And that's something that you notice with Devin Bush is that he's just always around the ball and he just has a great nose for the ball. I mean, I guess, you know, it's a, it's better than where we were at with the linebackers. I mean, excuse me, the running backs. You at least have a couple players you like on day one. But uh, if the top end of this class isn't great, is is the depth? Does it pick up a little bit better? Are there some sleepers, some people that you like maybe later on? Like, who, who are the people we should be looking for on day two? Yeah, I think there's a steep drop-off after that. I think you're getting into guys like Mac Wilson from Alabama, who was seen as a day one guy uh, coming into the season, but he just didn't live, the, live up to the hype. With that, I think there's some instincts, questions with him and his ability to finish. Now he has that aggressive, aggressive demeanor that you like to see in linebackers, and he follows in a very good lineage of guys from Alabama that have played that Mike position, but he just he's not as athletically gifted as some of those guys that have come out in previous years, and then he just doesn't have the instincts that they possessed either. Uh, so he'll probably be a second or third round type of guy. Uh, Jermaine Pratt from NC State. Uh, who's a hometown kid for me. He's actually from my town of High Point, North Carolina. I've actually, I've never played against him, but I played against some of the guys uh, that did come ahead of him that is in his family. So uh, he's a guy that I actually like. He's probably more of a wheel linebacker. I think that's the mold that he'll probably fit. And I just love the effort that he does show. Uh, Jelani Tave from Hawaii, that's another name that makes a lot of sense as a Sam linebacker and down the back stretch of the year, he wasn't able to show what he could do because he ended up having a torn labor. He had to have shoulder surgery, and that kept him out of the senior bowl. I was really looking forward to seeing him, but he wasn't able to perform. And then you're getting into third-tier guys like Tavon Coney from Notre Dame and Vashon Joseph from Florida and even a Bobby Okariki from Stanford. And then the hometown kid of Blake Cashman from Minnesota, who a lot of people in the area are really high on. He's actually my fifth-ranked linebacker, so I could see him going in the third or fourth round area. Okay. I mean, there's some decent names that you gave us there. Uh, some, some good, good depth, I guess, if you're looking for a pick on a, on day two, uh, bring us home. Because uh, if you're saying there's a steep drop off, you know, after day one, you gave us some names on, on day two. Uh, how many names you got for me on day three? Uh, so now you're getting into guys like 
Terrell Hanks, uh, who I, from New Mexico State, who I did like coming into the process, the combine, but he just didn't perform as thought as I or as good as I thought he would. I mean, you go out and run four nine nine, and I know he was injured, but that's not going to help his stock. And even at his pro day, he ultimately got injured again. So there is some durability concerns with him, and just how well or athletic he does play. And I think he, I think he plays much faster than what he tested athletically. And he's your definition of a wheel linebacker. And he has some safety experience. That's what he was prior to his time at New Mexico State. Uh, he was All-American safety in high school. He's from Florida. So he played against some stiff competition down there and was still able to stand out. So, And the Vikings have had him in on a top 30 visit. So he's a name to definitely keep an eye on on day three. Joe Giles Harris from Duke is another name that I like. Dre Greenlaw from Arkansas is another name that I like. And one name that I really do like that I failed to mention because he played edge, edge rusher at Oregon. And I think some team is probably going to draft him and try to play him uh, at outside linebacker. And that's Justin Hollins from Oregon. And I mean, he's 6'5", 250 pounds. He ran 4'5". Uh, he jumped 35 plus in the vertical. So he's testing off the charts and he does have some experience at outside linebacker. He's played that 3-4 outside linebacker role, but he could transition into an Anthony Barr type of talent that they do try to play at Sam linebacker on the second level. So Justin Hollins, he made my top 100. I think he's my 82nd ranked overall player. So I like him a lot. He has he has a ways to go as far as his hand usage. He's really raw. He doesn't have a rush plan or anything like that. And that's why I think some team will try to experiment with him as a Sam linebacker. Okay. I like that, man. Get us in, get us out. Uh, is, is that it? Anyone else you should be looking for? Any other sleepers you like? Or is that pretty much it for you when it comes to this linebacker class? I mean, you can give a shout out to Dakota Allen from Texas State or Texas Tech, I should say, because of the last chance you phenomenon and him getting to this point and overcoming some adversity. So I show some love on the show. Dakota Allen is a guy that could sneak into day three. Okay. Love it. Well, there he is. We got the man back in here for another episode of the one a day draft series. Great analysis, and this is just a taste. If you want more deep dive analysis, make sure you go out, you pick up the draft guide. Uh, it's phenomenal. We'll link to it in the show notes, and uh, yeah, you need to make sure you get that. But as always, listeners, thanks for sticking with us. We'll have another one of these for you tomorrow. JR, thanks for coming on. Y'all have a good one. time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. 
Listen to our solo acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor in chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.